Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we have a very special guest on this week uh, that I know a lot of our listeners will already be familiar with, uh, guest interview number 24. Uh, we have Dr. Ben Lynch on the podcast, all the way from the uh, United States of America. Ben, how are you? Ah, pretty good. You guys riled me up a little bit talking about the news and media and government <laughs> and COVID, but other than that, I'm good. <laughs> I'm here with uh, my co-host, Luke Hoffman. Um, it is currently 900 degrees in the UK, so be a, both me and Luke are melting at the moment, but hopefully we get through this episode. Yeah. Again, I've got a massive fan in the background, so we're all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm lacking the fan. Um, <laughs> ben, I think a lot, of our, a lot of our listeners will already know you from, well, but, but on an individual level from Seeking Health, but also the role that you've played in kind of being a pioneer in the, in the uh, epigenetic world um, at the moment as an educator and as someone that has led that from the forefront over the last many years. Um, just give us a bit of a, an insight into your background and where you're coming to us at, because I know that you studied naturopathic medicine um, in the past and then it's kind of led into, led into the, the businesses that you've obviously started already. But how has this all kind of started as a passion as something you followed us through as career? I think, it, you know, when you're young, I think we all tend to gravitate towards something that we enjoy, right? So, you know, if you look back at your earliest moments, what were you doing that you're still doing today? And, and for me, I've always enjoyed uh, learning about how the body works. And it wasn't my body in the beginning. It was, it was actually horses. I grew up on a horse ranch, a hundred acre horse ranch. And, and for some reason, uh, some of the mares couldn't get pregnant. And I remember the, the vet would come out and do some stuff to the, to the horses you know, with injections and, and other things. And, you know, six months later, they were carrying a baby. I'm like, what the hell? Um, so that, that always kind of stuck with me. My mom was an obstetrician gynecologist. You know, I would get sick. I had chronic nosebleeds all my life as a kid. And I had to get silver nitrate up my nose. I had, you know, gut aches. Um, I was on the rowing team for the University of Washington. Uh, Boys in the Boat, by the way, if you've read that book. Uh, it's basically about that, that uh, school, university and their crew team. And, uh, you know, I was honored to be part of that university and the, the history of that. Um, so, you know, fitness for me was, was really key because I was a division one athlete. Um, and, uh, you know, then you, you hear other people, they're struggling. And my, my stepmom one day, uh, I remember standing in the hall, my back was up against the wall. I felt kind of confined and trapped. And she was talking with one of her friends and, you know, they're talking about how tall I was and all that. And my stepmom goes, well, you know, schizophrenia runs in, and runs in your family and, and uh, you know, it starts hit around puberty. So be careful. And I was thinking, okay, I'm 17 now. So I'm just going to wake up one day and have schizophrenia. It scared the hell out of me. You know, and there's multiple things along those lines. So it's all these little additive steps. But what really, really got me guys was when I was sitting down one day and I don't know how I got to it, but you know, it's like some of those videos and those comments, like, how did I get on the dark side of YouTube? You know? <laughs> Um, so I actually got on the good side of, of the internet and I, I found this video called uh, Tale of Two Mice and uh, it was a, a Nova a story about how this researcher was looking at mice who were genetically programmed, like genetically had genetics for creating diabetes, cardiovascular disease or cancer or all three. And they, they were programmed to have these conditions so researchers could give them various drugs, various treatments, or various you know, chemicals to see if what would push these conditions to make them happen faster or make them go away, right? 
So, but for, they were bred to have these issues. Mm. And the researcher had this foresight and said, what if I gave them vitamins at a very, very young age, what would happen? And they never got diabetes, cardiovascular disease or cancer. And then she goes at the very end of that, she goes, I don't know what to, we're going to do with this information. I was like, are you serious? I do. Mm. You're going to give people nutrients to, even if they're genetically destined to have all these things. If your family history says that you have X, Y, or Z condition, bipolar or schizophrenia is in my case, it doesn't mean you're going to have it. You just need to take care of yourself. So yeah. you know, that, that was kind of the path that I led. And, and uh, I'm always, always seeking. My desk is literally covered with research papers uh, everywhere because I, I continually learn every day. One thing that I've kind of realized from looking at your background in terms of the particular interest in environmental medicine was from an early, early time within your career and within your, within your studying, you're kind of consciously trying to bridge the gap between what the geneticists are publishing relative mm -hmm. to what the, the medicinal providers are actually doing in practice. And it's having that more, I guess like you, we could use the word holistic and, and, and kind of um, critical thinking over what we can do within that medical environment that doesn't just involve putting a bandaid over an issue and, and always opting for the, the, the pharmaceutical uh, option when it comes to managing one's health. Yeah, it's, it's the environment is key. I mean, the environment, we're in the environment, you know, and, and to put a weird spin on this, you know, what if we are a Petri dish in someone's experiment and we're actually not as big as we think we are. We're just like literally in someone's lab in a Petri dish. And, and, you know, but it's, we, we need to understand that everything around us is impacting you. So if someone bars through your door right behind you right now, Luke, or your window, I mean, you probably kick their ass. It wouldn't matter, but, you know, <laughs> but let's say a tank rolled in. And, uh, you know, your genes would be acting very differently if a tank was rolling down your street and pointing their, their gun at you versus you just sitting here and participating in a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, so your genes respond to the environment you're in. Why? Survival of the fittest. It's natural selection. You know, we got human race and, and species and, and living things on this planet have evolved uh, in order to be as optimal as they can in their present environment. And, you know, some people, you know, say evolution, it's nonsense. Well, okay, that's fine. But, you know, we need to understand that, you know, in order for us to perform best in our environment, like right now you guys are cooking, you know, Luke's got the fan on him and Callum's just sweating like a pig. So your environment is influencing both of your genes. Luke's genes are, are, not pumping so hard in terms of having to, to produce sweat to cool off his body, but you're in a different environment and your genes are firing to actually produce sweat. Mm. See? So it's, we, we think that we take all these things for granted because we can't see the 18, 19,000 different genes in our body that are producing work. And we think when we hear the word gene, we, we freak out and we think, oh, that's complicated. But all you need to understand is genes do work. And genes do work um, using the things that we provide them. We have to give our genes the tools that they need in order to function. And if we give them the crappy tools, they're going to say, screw you. 
and they're not going to work very well. And then you're going to start getting symptoms. You're going to get horrible post-workout fatigue. You're not going to hit your PRs. You're going to be grumpy, irritable. Uh, you know, you're not going to be able to gain mass or, or, or perform or what have you. So if, if you take care of your body, which is in, you know, your genes will have the tools they need. And the environment is dictating all of that. Food is part of the environment. Why? Food is grown in soil. It's, you know, it's animals raised, it's veggies grown. Do you have crop dusters, planes flying over them and spraying them or not? It's part of the environment. The air that you're breathing, 11,000 liters of air you breathe every day. Every day. The water you drink, we're 50, 60, 70% water as humans. So we need to understand the majority of things. Every day my kids are weighing on the scale. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're lifting weights and, and getting stronger. And every day they're sitting on the scale. I'm like, guys, you know, the variance that you're seeing every day is your, is your water weight. Mm -hmm. if, if, listen, your, your, your mass, you're 60, 70% water. So if you think you gain two pounds today and you're 180 pounds, that's water variation. If you lost two pounds, Drink up, buddy. You're dehydrated. Yeah. That, that's probably from the perspective of environmental influence in the world that we're currently living in now. This has some pretty massive implications with, with everyone, right? In terms of the quarantine yes. that's been there for the last 10 to 12 weeks and what we discussed prior to us recording as well. Like the influence this is having on us now is, is, is huge, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, about sunlight exposure alone, like the lack of sunlight and social isolation like i mean i'm sure I've, I've read some stuff about the effects that being socially isolated can have on gene expression and oh. i imagine it weighs into it massively human touch itself yeah. is dopamine lifting yeah you know you you go to these uh, uh high performance talks you know brendan bichard i don't know if you fellas know him yeah. but you know brendan bichard is fantastic and i just read one of his posts this morning and and uh, he's a great guy and doing great things. And, and uh, he has you in his conferences hugging yourself to, to increase your dopamine, but it's because it's human touch. Well, like, well, you're touching yourself, but this is actually research to increase your dopamine. And then he has you hug other people in the conference, which I'm not really into, but you know, uh, I do it. Um, but hugs, kisses, you know, communication, you know, social interaction is huge for, for humans. And, and when we have something called social distancing, I think of that as, God, who thought of the, putting those two words together when you could have easily said physical distancing? Yeah. And so you, what's the propaganda behind that? What's the motivation behind that? Government officials are not stupid. At least I don't think they're stupid. Sometimes they do really stupid things a lot of the times, but are they stupid or are they playing with us and, and, and coming up with terms for manipulation? Uh, you know, that, that is, is, you know, and I don't want to go down that road, but you know, words that you use influence your genes. Mm. Yeah. If you say my kids will do that, uh, anyone will do that. I'm in the backyard and pulling some weeds with my youngest dad, I hate this. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, pulling weeds. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of other things that are more fun than pulling weeds. I mean, going and playing basketball would be pretty sweet right now. He goes, yeah, let's go do that. And I said, no, we got weeds. We got to pull the weeds. He goes, well, I want to go play basketball. I said, well, 
So do I, man, but we got to take care of this. And he goes, well, yeah, but this sucks. I said, look, do we have to pull the weeds or not? Yes. Okay, if you have to do something, you, ha it's just, you have to do it. So take your mind and say, sweet, I'm going to get rid of these weeds and I'm going to make this area look beautiful. And then we're done, we're going to go play basketball. It's a mindset thing. You can sit there and say, this sucks with every single weed that you're pulling out, or you can have a spin on it and say, all right, you know, I'm going to take this moment because I have to do it anyway and put a positive spin on it. And it was interesting. This little 10-year-old's head was quiet when I shared this with him. And here he was pissed off and, and like, I hate this. This sucks, Dad. And I shared that little twist on I said, dude, you got to do it anyway. So you either do it with a good mindset or a bad mindset. He was quiet. And I just let him go. And uh, about two minutes later, he just started talking and pulling weeds and he was fine. So it's, it's, uh, you got to do the same thing with COVID. We have to do the same thing a lot of times. I and mean, yeah, rightfully so. Sometimes you just got to blow your top and be pissed off. Um, but uh, words matter because words influence your genes. Yeah. I think that's even more relevant now. Like a lot of our audience now, there's a lot of frustration over here. Obviously, there's, there are far bigger stakes at hand at the moment. But one of the examples would be, you know, the closure of, gyms and leisure facilities for the last 10, 12, 13, 14 weeks and people are so frustrated. But once you live in that kind of self-perpetuating cycle of frustration and you know, you're now socially not engaging with your friends and it's, it's, it's an environment that can be quite um, you know, destructive for an individual on you know, mental and emotional health and that kind of leads to physical health as well, right? Mm. 100%. Yeah, and you think the people that have kind of discovered that they can they don't need a gym to, to exercise and feel good about themselves, but they've got the outdoors and they can use their body weight and all this stuff. And they kind of, yeah, it's not quite as optimal if they're trying to be the most jacked bodybuilder they could possibly be. But in like the short time that the gyms have been taken away, if you can spin it with that positive mindset, like you said, it can save you potentially save your immune system to some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah. crazy. Right. Great point. And, and, and the, also, the other thing is, too, if, if you have gyms are closed and your leisure activities are, are reduced, it also opens your mind to discover things that you possibly haven't done before, which provide the opportunity to learn something new, which you realize, wow, this is actually really good. You know, there's that book, Animal Moves. Have you seen that? Yeah. Mike Muffle mm -hmm. talks about it. And, um, you know, that that you could order that book animal moves and you could practice moving like an animal throughout your home and, and uh, you know, outside in your yard and going up and down trees. And why, why would that be beneficial? Well, doing certain motions repetitively, you know, in a locked uh, manner is not natural. You have to be able to move in multiple different ways and keep your joints healthy by all sorts of random movements. So if you're constantly going to the gym and you're doing your push-ups, your dips, your presses, your squats, what have you, you know, you're, you're in those repetitive motions and you're going to get hurt. So by taking on a different hobby, such as yoga or using animal moves or what have you, it's giving you an, uh, an opportunity to prevent, uh, uh, you know, hurting yourself. And then even when the gyms are closed, you can't go because you're hurt. Yeah. So it's an opportunity to, to learn other things to increase your mobility. Yeah. And it's where people get very tied to a singular approach. It's like 
I think there's a lot of people that were making the argument that gyms needed to be open permanently throughout this entire thing because of the benefits of, of exercise and all this stuff. And they forgot that there's nothing tying the health benefits of exercise to a gym. Like if you look at the research, most of it's been shown in people running outdoors and like endurance athletes and all this stuff. And it's like the exercise, the health benefits of exercise are so far reaching, like, you know, decreased resting heart, heart rate, decreased blood pressure, increased stroke volume, improves autonomic nervous system balance, increased HDL, decreased LDL, increased insulin. Yeah, like all this stuff and like improved self-esteem, sense of well-being, all these things. And none of them require a gym, which I think is something that just, you know, people just fail to realize throughout this thing. There's, you can still get those benefits and have that positive mindset and all this stuff without yeah. the gym and turn the whole thing into kind of a cool exercise for your uh, your ability to respond to these sort of situations. It's quite cool. And what's the solution that all the media is talking about that we all have to wait for? A vaccine. Oh, of course. <laughs> right? Yeah. So we are going to save you because we're going to inject shit in your arm that's going to amplify your immune system way bigger than it naturally should be to predispose you to allergies and you know asthma and other things but that's okay because we're going to inject some stuff in here that may protect you from covid it may hurt you too but uh, just wait stay indoors wear a mask and don't do anything stay away from all your friends don't lift weights uh, we won't mention anything about vitamin d or moderate exercise being helpful for your immune system we won't say anything you know or useful <laughs> But stay inside, wait for the vaccine, and when it comes out, we'll, you know, we'll give, you it, give it to you. And in fact, we might even force you to take it because that's the answer. No, uh-uh. That's why, I think that's why, like, the, the platform that you have, and I think a lot of our followers will follow people like you who are preaching that, that message as well, which is the, it's the underspoken message, but it's the message that people need to hear in terms of, like, you have all this stuff that you're in your control already. It's just you're probably not aware of what you need to do in terms of lifestyle. Yeah, and, I, you know, I share published research all the time. I had videos go off during this COVID thing, millions of views, and I'm just, you know, doing as I am right now with you, just sharing research and sharing, you know, real stuff, and people just ate it up. Mm. And... Um, it's, it's because it's factual, it's real, it's legit. I'm not glorifying anything. I'm looking at the research, I'm understanding why COVID is deadly. I'm looking at mechanisms of why it's deadly. And then I'm looking at, okay, if, if, if COVID is so dangerous because of how reactive it is on the immune system and it causes these cytokine storms, well, what are ways that we can neutralize cytokine storms? What are ways we can prevent cytokine, uh, cytokine storms? What are daily things that we all do to support to prevent cytokine storms in the first place. Exercise is one, mm -hmm. but there are some people who overtrain and overtraining will actually suppress your immune system. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a, a, a talk on Instagram about this as well. And it was just a short little ditty on, uh, I found this research paper is great. I should have pulled it up for, for you guys, um, but no exercise at all will weaken your immune system. If you do about 60% intensity for about 30 minutes, I'm throwing some rough numbers out here because I don't remember the specific mm. details, but it's good enough. If you do, again, moderate intensity, you know, 60, 70% for 30, 40 minutes, you're supporting your immune system by about two to three fold. 
if you're doing about 90% intensity, 80, 90% intensity, and you're going for 45 minutes to, to, or longer, you're actually suppressing your immune system. You're shutting it down. So how many times have you looked back and you were really pushing it? Train, I'm gonna train hard and you got sick. Does that happen to either of you guys? Yeah. In the past, 100%, yeah. Yeah, less so now because I've yeah, become more aware, more aware of, of it. Yeah. yeah. Or those days where you're feeling a bit under the weather or you weren't quite yourself, or you didn't get enough sleep, or you had a long commute, or, or work was really stressful, or you got in a big fight with your significant other, and then you went and worked out anyway, and you got sick. Mm. Versus, oh, I'm not feeling quite right. I'm gonna honor my body today, and I'm, I'm gonna do other things. Maybe I'll do a light session of yoga, maybe I'll jump in the sauna, you know, maybe I'll fast, you know, and, and, and get over this. So, you know, it's lifting and, and exercise is amazing, but I, I forget who I interviewed. Um, and it was a great interview. He goes, most people who train are actually not most. He goes, he, he compared it like this. If you see an, an older woman walking her dog down the street compared to a vein, veiny dude, just bulging muscles sprinting on his bike, the older lady walking the dog is healthier than that guy. And a lot of you, I know, are like recoiling and you're saying bull. But if you did labs, if you ran labs on that guy who's sprinting down the bike, how many of you have also heard that, oh, so-and-so is super healthy, he got COVID and died? You hear that in the news. So-and-so is a marathon runner. So-and-so is a power lifter. And, and they, they got COVID in three days, they're dead. Just because they look healthy doesn't mean you are healthy. Their yeah. glutathione levels could have been in the tank. Their vitamin D levels could have been in the tank. You know, their oxidative stress could have been off the charts. And so if you get COVID and your oxidative stress is off the charts, your D is low and your glutathione lows, you know, antioxidants are low, you're, you're hurting. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why your muscles get big is because you're putting a stressor on them. You're hurting, you're damaging your muscle tissues, and that repair is going in there and is causing you know, bigger muscles. So you're actually hurting yourself to get bigger, but that's okay as long as you understand the nuances with that and you don't overdo it. And if you look at the genetics of people, you know, some people have genetics where, you know, they are very, very susceptible to oxidative stress. So if you're pushing it and your post-workout recovery is like multiple days and you've been training for a long time, it's not like you haven't trained in a month and you work out. It's normal that post-workout soreness for a few days. But if you are working out all the time and you feel like you have to take a, a Tylenol or an aspirin or an Advil to push through that pain every day, you're overdoing it, bud. And you, you got you to gotta tone it down because your genetics are in that, they're programmed to, for inflammation and you need to figure out that out, out so you can keep training and you won't need that Tylenol or ibuprofen or Advil or whatever you're taking. Yeah. Is that, is that something we can like, like manipulate in the same way that obviously the whole idea behind epigenetics is yes the the, the biological mechanism that 100 percent regulates gene expression like how is it so we can turn those genes on like off and maybe turn some other yes on the yes recovery yeah. and i i talk about it like this you know we, we have white skin we, we can't change that you yeah. know that's locked in that's genetically programmed you know i'm six foot five 
that probably had some variation, you know, in my environment and, and all that. I probably could have changed my height a little bit. Maybe I could have been a little bit shorter, a little bit taller, but skin color, eye color, hair color, that's all locked in. Um, but when it comes down to workout recovery, your mood, uh, your ability to fall asleep, stay asleep. If you're, if you can walk, uh, you know, through your environment and not sneeze every moment, you know, people say it's seasonal allergies, you know, and all is genetic. No, it's not genetic. You've got excessive histamine. So you need to look at your histamine genes and, and support them and clean them all up. And uh, people just can't believe that you can reverse asthma, you can reverse diabetes type two, you can reverse, you know, psoriasis, eczema, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, Crohn's, celiac, ulcerative colitis, um, uh, you know, even early onset dementia, um, you can really support and, and, and reverse if you catch it early enough. And uh, I had a, a 15 year old kid uh, with seizures diagnosed as an epileptic and uh, got him totally healthy and he's you know it's taking work but he was already diagnosed as an epileptic um, and he had these huge seizures and the, and the university of washington found nothing really wrong with him but they're going to put him on any seizure meds what did we do i ran his labs he's off the charts reactive to gluten off the charts reactive to dairy and a lot of other things and he his react food reactivities were were too much. There was, he was almost allergic to everything. So I said, when did all this start? When did he start getting bad? Well, we went to Mexico and he got in, he got some type of uh, bug and he had horrible diarrhea and we gave him all these drugs. Well, he wrecked his gut. He had horrible leaky gut. So I had all this food that he was reacting to his, his immune system was overreacting. And then his neurotransmitters were on overdrive also because of his genetics, which I looked at as well. And so I got him on this program where I said, dude, you got it. You can't be eating these foods. And he was an athlete. He played football and, and basketball for his school. Really good athlete. And uh, he's probably going to play Division I uh, basketball. So he's, he's talented. And so he was just devastated that he couldn't do sports again. And so we got him healthy, gave him some nutrients, we gave him some supplements. We gave him the glutathione, PQQs, CoQ10, his labs. He looked like a 90-year-old who had you know horrible health? His labs were awful. As a 15-year-old, I couldn't believe it. And his parents were nervous. I said, "No, it's great that we see all these things out of whack." So we gave him these nutrients. He did really well, and he was just about to go back and get his driver's license because he didn't have a seizure for uh, six months uh, or for five months. And it's a six-month you can go drive again. At five and a half months, he had a seizure. He was pissed. So I actually came over to his house and I sat down with him and I said, dude, I know it, this sucks. And he was just crushed. You could just see that, that he was defeated. I was like, all right, man, this, is, this ties into the epigenetics. What happened? Because what do you mean, what happened? I said, because I had a seizure. I can't drive now. I said, why did you have a seizure? I don't know, I had a seizure. So you can control your seizures. We had him controlled for five and a half months. You're 15 days away. And you know what? It's a damn good thing you didn't get your driver's license because you'd be dead right now. What happened? Did you overtrain? Oh, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean by, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I stayed up late. I had too much sugar the night before. And I had a hard workout in, in, in football. And then I actually went and did some basketball. I didn't take these vitamins. I said, and, and did you have a hamburger or some pizza or anything? You know, he goes, yeah. 
I said, all right, well, you ate the foods that you know you shouldn't eat and you didn't, weren't taking your vitamins and you overtrained. I said, this is a lesson. This is a wake-up call. You need to know how far you can push it before you overdo it and have a seizure and kill yourself. Mm. So he hasn't had a seizure since. He's driving and he's, he's on it. And it's all epigenetic. Everything he is doing is controlling his genes that are programmed to have seizures and to be really inflammatory. But at 16, this kid is dialed in and he knows how far he can go. And he's still an athlete. He's, he's mm. downstairs lifting uh, in our gym almost every day. And would that be like something that if he does that for long enough, he could see some kind of permanent change in his genes or would that be something he just has to care for the rest of his life? No, you got to take care of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, uh, uh, I had an interview with uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien who's brilliant at ex explaining things. And he goes, imagine if you had, uh, you know, a chain and, uh, you had some of those links on your chain are a little bit frayed, right? You're not going to put, you know, you're not going to put that, that one chain link uh, against a corner on a wall and, and be pulling on that. That's the weak point. You're going to move that chain a little bit higher off, you know, or, you know, you're going to do something with that or you're going to support it more, right? So when you do genetic testing, you're going to identify your increased susceptibilities and you're going to nurture them more. You're also going to identify your genetic strengths and you're like, oh, hell yeah. Now I don't need to worry about that so much. So you're going to find things that you need to really dial in and, and support yourself. You're also going to find some things that, you know, you're, you're kind of he-man and you're, you're, you're solid. So, um, but that has a little problem because sometimes you abuse those. Yeah. So when I did uh, Ben Greenfield's uh, genetics, you know, I had a call with him and he, in his latest book, um, Boundless, he, he talks about it. Um, and, uh, his post-workout soreness was, was, uh, his recovery was a bit slower, um, than he, he liked to it in his whole life. And I say, well, you need to be taking these types of nutrients possibly before you work out or after you work out and then, you know, monitor how you're feeling. You, know, you still want to have some inflammation when you're exercising because that's inflammation increases your mitochondrial reproduction and also your, your size. So you have to have some of that inflammation, but you can't have too much. Mm. So he did try the PQQ and the glutathione and he was improving with those. Um, his post-workout soreness went down. So it's, it's, uh, it's important that you understand your genetics, but the problem is a lot of people do their genetics wrong. And uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're all learning, it's a, it's a new area. Yeah. So in terms of the testing, is that where the strategy idea came from in terms of the individuals being able to almost consult with the company to then get some form of plan related to them specifically that is what i want to do the biggest weakness with the strategy and genetic uh report now is uh people are on their own and uh, we have amazing information in there it's all research you know we don't pull anything out of our ass on that report it's all you know from national library of medicine um, and cited and our new strategy that's coming out uh, is oh it's epic it's so good um, and it's uh, it's being certified by CLIA and, and uh, you know so it's 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 solid um, but the biggest weakness is it's so much information where do you start with it and how do you implement it and we know that it's a weakness of ours um, so we provide you the science and uh, the, the amazing tool 
but it's going to take people time and it's going to take health professionals time. So we're looking at ways to uh, a simplify it uh, and b increase the training because I know DNA Fit had the same issue. Uh, DNA Fit, you know, have had pretty decent um, uh, reports and tests, but their users were pissed off because they didn't have enough sense of what to do with it. So they included a 30 minute consult with it. Um, so we're, we're toying with how we're going to do this. And uh, I think it would be possible. Um, I want to make it possible and we're, we're working on it. You know, there's the book innovators dilemma. I don't know if you've read this or not, but you know, anytime you're making something that is so cutting edge, like strategy, I mean, it's leaps and bounds far more advanced than any other jet report out there. And, and I'm not just saying that it's, it, it is. Um, but at the same time, the complexity of it is, is leaps and bounds higher, higher than others as well. So. That's awesome. Because the ideal situation there would be to do, do the, the testing side of things and then literally be in a position where you can, you can prescribe an individual an optimal lifestyle, nutrition, yes. every supplementation, yeah. everything's covered those gaps. Yeah. And, and the, the cool thing that we are doing with strategy now is, is uh, you know, we're doing a beta launch uh, here in a couple of weeks. We're, 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 we're basically ready to go with this thing uh, in the U.S., in internationals, uh, you're not able to get our spit test. Uh, you can't get the kit itself, but we'll, we'll be able to provide the report. Um, but it's a bummer because 23 mean ancestry, uh, you know, 50% of the things that we test for are not covered from 23 and me and ancestry because we custom built our chip. Um, so you're missing out on 50% of the data. Um, but what we're trying to do is, is, you know, we're looking at the laws and the you know, regulations of international genetic, you know, because if you're exporting genetic material into the United States, there's a lot of stuff that goes with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, China is just a no, you can't do it. Um, but we're, we're looking at the laws with it. Um, but that said, uh, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. Um, where, what was your question? In terms of the, the ability to go full circle with a, almost like a, a plan for an individual. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So the, the, what we're including with strategy, even for the internationals, I, I, I believe, um, is, is we're, we're offering a lot of online education. Um, so we have a ton of videos, um, that, uh, help you understand what's going on. And plus we give you an online course as well for free that comes with it. And, um, the internationals, we need to figure out how the book will go because dirty jeans is published in multiple languages. Um, you know, whether or not we ship that to you, I kind of doubt it. Um, so I think we just knock the price down, um, on that, but in the U S everyone gets a copy of the book, dirty jeans, everyone. And, uh, so the book itself is going to teach a lot of people the importance of the environments and epigenetics. Um, and the, the genetic test and strategy is useful. Uh, for sure, but what's really, really useful about strategy that is so different than other genetic reports is that it really discusses the, the influence of how your genes are working, what they use, uh, what slows them down, what speeds them up, um, and what nutrients they need, and how they interact with other genes. That is something that is missing from every other genetic report out there, mm -hmm. is strategy discusses how this gene works with this gene and this gene in unison. And so if this gene is faster and this gene is slower, then you got a buildup of this, which is going to cause issues. 
So you need to do this and this and this. And it's, you're like, whoa, that's heavy. But man, it's amazing. It, it, the power of that is so good. You can't look at 18,000 different genes and, and pin, you know, talk about them one at a time. You have to link them together as a web. Which is how it makes sense. They, they function anyway, right? It is. And yeah. so most genetic reports out there that I know, all of them look at one gene at a time. And they tell you that this gene is, you know, broken or it's fine or what have you. And then that's it. It's a little too um, reductionist, isn't it? Extreme reductionist. Yeah. But again, with the innovator's dilemma, we are creating something that is complicated, but the right way to go about it. So, yes, it's complex. Yes, it's, it's, uh, it's a dilemma. But we feel confident enough that people are going to get uh, amazing results out of it that we're going to launch it. Um, so, and will we improve it? Oh yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, but uh, are there weaknesses? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, but it, we just going to put it out there and, and hear feedback and, and we need to train health professionals all around the world mm. to, uh, be able to, to utilize it. I mean, the, the report is 90 pages long. Mm. Um, and, uh, I can, I looked at my wife's genetics and, and we have these maps, these genetic maps, uh, like here's, here's an example of, of, uh, I got a stain on that one, but anyway, um, but yeah, this is one of the pages that you get with your report and you can see like this gene right here, this particular gene, uh, this is a bar, you know, we don't say you're homozygous or heterozygous, or this is red as, as, as a variant or yellow as, you know, uh, heterozygous or what have you, or green, there's no variant we tell you the this known speed of it. So this gene, according to the research that we found for you, it's slower. Yeah. So this gene is acting slower. So then you say, okay, this gene is acting slower. What feeds into that gene? Homocysteine feeds into it. And what's it do? It turns it back into methionine. Well, what if you're pounding protein in your workout and you're taking 150 grams of protein every day and you go to the doctor and your homocysteine is like, 32 and this gene is also slow so where's this dude homocysteine goes down into cbs well this is slow for you as well so if you're taking 150 grams of protein a day and you have you're red in the face you have high homocysteine you go to the doctor you have known cardiovascular disease in your family you have strokes and, and you know high blood pressure stuff in your family and you're, you're not feeling very good you have headaches all the time you're irritable go to the doc, your homocysteine's 30. You're like, shoot, I got to take care of that. Well, you look at your genetics, it's like, well, I need to cut back on my protein and I need to support it with some zinc and some uh, vitamin B6 and some glutathione and minimize my, pro minimize my protein a bit and possibly look at my B12 and folate on a different pathway and see how I'm doing. Mm. And then you can unlock that. And now you do three months later, Check your homocysteine again after you've implemented the lifestyle, not just supplements, lifestyle, diets, and nutritional you know, things that we describe in the, in the test for you. You go back, your homocysteine has dropped to 10. Uh, that kind of leads me on to a question of like, in, when you're giving these sorts of plans, like, is there an order that you go through in terms of like the magnitude effect of effect that certain things have like lifestyle factors nutritional factors and then supplemental factors yeah is there a yeah. order that you work in there mm -hmm. so let me let me show another so this is what this is 
you know, so this is a gene that processes histamine in the gut. So we give you a paragraph of what that gene does. We tell you things what, you know, dirty the gene. So these are some environmental influences which dirty the gene, some lifestyle actions, some foods that are known to dirty it as well, and some medications and nutrients that also slow it down. Okay. So, and, and these are the known variants that were tested for and, and were found for you. Um, so do we rate, uh, you know, if we, do we look at all your genes and rate, you know, the impact of potential high homocysteine or potential histamine reactions? Uh, at this point, we do not. Um, but uh, I believe that when people look at their pathways, and they see the slow speeds on there. So my wife's page report was like 90 some pages long, right? And I reviewed and I understood her in about 20 minutes looking at her report. Well, I'm a specialist in this. This is what I do. I help make the report big time. I mean, I basically made it um, and uh, with my team um, who've helped a lot. I mean, this is years of research, guys. This is years and years and years and years of research. Um, but, uh, you know, 20 minutes, I was able to dial her in, uh, and understand a lot of things why she can't go for a hike or do yoga or exercise without horrible post-workout soreness. Mm. How do we manage that? She takes a PQQ lozenge prior to exercise and training. And if she does it for, uh, longer, she takes another one. The result, she can exercise and go on hikes and walks and do yoga and her post-workout soreness is fine. Whereas before she would do any of those things, not even that intense, and she could barely walk for about three to four days after. Her wow. fibromyalgia was terrible. So why, why is that? I looked at her genes for uh, oxidative stress and inflammation. Very, very pro-inflammatory, very, very pro-oxidative stress, very, very slow in getting rid of it. And so PQQ is a very powerful antioxidant that nobody really talks about. You know, they look at vitamin C. Vitamin C is neutralized uh, and used up about one cycle or maybe three cycles. Vitamin E is same. PQQ can neutralize 20,000 times before it's damaged. So it's massive. So anytime if, you know, that's why vitamin C is, is good for COVID uh, in high doses because vitamin C is not an antioxidant, this situation, it's a pro-oxidant. Yeah. Right. So a lot of think, people think, Oh, I need to increase my antioxidants. But when you increase an antioxidant like vitamin C to huge levels it becomes a pro-oxidant. That's why it's used in cancer too. It's so it kills the viral particles. What's yeah. that? And it would stimulate the body's own antioxidant. Like yes, right. that's yeah. right. That's right. So, but you got to be careful with COVID because it's, it's, you know, you get cytokine storms and you can, you can put overdo it. Um, it's like with chemo and, or, or, you know, IV vitamin C, even that you can put someone over the edge. So, um, but yeah, we do need to increase the training of, of, of strategy and, and it will happen. It will happen. So in terms of your wife's one with the PQQ then, because obviously PQQ, well, I say, obviously some people won't know, but it, it's, kind of stimulates mitochondrial biogenesis that stimulates the creation of more mitochondria but was she did she have any kind of genes that suggested she needed more of that or would that just be something that would help out in that situation in general um that's a good question i don't know i i don't you know mitochondrial genes um we don't look at those 
specifically, I mean, there are some genes that are in the mitochondria that we look at, um, but uh, we don't look at specific genes in, you know, complex one, two, three, four, five or so, you know, in terms of mitochondrial machinery. Um, and why is that? Because if you have a mitochondrial genetic issue, it's usually identified at birth when it's serious. Mm. And uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do um, sometimes and sometimes not. Um, so we don't look at genes that are uh, high risk um, that you, that are caught at birth. Mm. Right. Um, but what we also need to understand is the mitochondria do not have repair mechanisms like the rest of our cells in our human body. Um, so they are very easily destroyed and burnt out and killed, um, and also have high, high mutation rates. So you can actually acquire genetic variation in your mitochondrial genetics all throughout your life. Um, if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. Um, so if your glutathione levels are low, if, if your oxidative stress is high, if you're not taking your fish oils, if you're eating inflammatory foods, you know, your mitochondria are getting hammered and you're altering their genetics on a, like a you know, somewhat permanent basis. Um, so you got to be careful with that. That that would be another good question in terms of like what, you know, if there was like a, a handful of things that would generally benefit everyone, like does, yes. that, does such a list exist or is it still, is it still very personalized that there'll be some things that would actually harm, be harmful for some people in compared to others? Despite yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there, there are, uh, the the word all and then multiple choice question when you yeah. were a kid in school, right? And it's like yeah. all these are all you. That's the one that was wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I I get your question, and I would say a majority of time there are things like electrolytes that people should be taking. Uh, you know, if you're drinking water, um, and then after you drink water, you know, and you find yourself having to go take a piss twenty minutes after, and it's clear, clear. Um, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're dehydrated. You, you should, if you drink water, you should be able to retain it mm. and hold it. You know, hydration is not drinking water. Hydration is getting water inside your cell. Mm. That's the difference. And, and not enough people talk about that. I mean, it's why creatine is also useful because creatine helps hydrate your cells. That's why you get all puffy um, from creatine. Uh, you know, but it's, it's, you have to hydrate with your creatine and monohydrate creatine monohydrate is ass compared to creatine found in magnesium. Uh, creatine magna power is, is, is probably the best creatine out there. Um, cause it's creatine bound to magnesium. So you're, you're getting, uh, you know, two benefits out of, out of one supplement, but as with any creatine, you can have explosive, you know, diarrhea and, and stomach upset. Um, so uh, but I would say, uh, electrolytes, number one, uh, PQQ was way up there. Um, mm. especially if you have post-workout soreness that is persistent. Um, and if you find yourself needing to take, uh, you know, anti-inflammatories, you know, over the counter meds or, or what have you, that's, that's not good. You shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing that. That sh you should be listening to your body saying you need some recovery time mm. versus, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to swallow this and make the pain go away. You're going to, you're going to hurt yourself. You're, you're going to tear a tendon. You're going to, you're going to, you know, rip a ligament. Um, you're, you're going to strain a muscle. Something's going to happen and it's not going to be good. Um, so I would say PQQ and fish oils, uh, especially if you're not eating fish or you're eating more foods and omega sixes, uh, you got to dial the omega six, you know, three, nine ratios. Um, that's tough, but you know, do what you can. Um, I wasn't taking enough fish oil. So I, I started up again. 
I don't like fish that much. I'm starting to get into it. Uh, again, I, I'm trying to get into it. Um, so I ordered some seafood from Vital Choice. Um, but I would say glutathione. Glutathione tastes like rotten eggs uh, if it's liposomal. Um, so liposomal glutathione, I love the effect. I'm not a fan of the taste. So what I'll do is I'll take liposomal vitamin C or liposomal curcumin, and I'll squirt it in my mouth or my kid's mouth. I'll have them hold it. And then I'll come by with the liposomal glutathione and I'll squirt that in their mouth and I'll have them hold it. And then I'd say, okay, listen to your head. How are you feeling? And you, you literally uh, can feel your head clear. Like it's almost like a cloud moving like that and it goes away. I said, when that cloud, you know, moves and goes away to its fullest extent, then you swallow it. And so I, I, I watch my kids and I, I, I can see them listening to how their head is feeling and then they swallow it. And sometimes you only get a little movement. Sometimes it's only like, eh, and that's all the clearing you get. So sometimes you need more. So you take another and you, another dose, and you, you feel more clearing up to here. And you take, an, I was like, okay, I'm going to take some more, but it still doesn't move. So then you take electrolytes, you listen to your head. Now, now it's cleared. Mm. So listening to how the, your head clarity is, is extremely important extremely important and most of us are dehydrated and you've got to have uh, good electrolytes that have solid potassium solid magnesium ribose in there for your atp function um, because if you don't have enough atp firing you can't pump the magnesium potassium inside of yourself 40 percent of your body's energy 40 percent guys almost half of your energy at rest is spent pumping potassium and magnesium inside yourself mm. that's how important it is so, and so when you pump magnesium potassium into your cell, what follows? Water. Yeah. And you can, you can take all the pre-workout you want with the tyrosine and the caffeine and all that, but if you're dehydrated, what, you know ATP, right? Yeah. So adenosine triphosphate, what cuts off that phosphate is that's when that ATP releases the phosphate, that's where the energy comes from. It's like the gasoline in your car, it actually gets burnt, right? From, from the engine, it, it gets burnt and it creates the power and the thrust in your, in your car so you can go. The ATP is, is, is energy, but it's not gonna release its energy until that phosphate's released. What releases that phosphate, do you think? Take a guess. Water? Yes water releases that phosphate. So if you're dehydrated, your energy goes down because mm. you can't release that phosphate from ATP. So you got to hydrate, 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 hydrate. And that's not drinking water. That's water with electrolytes. You can add sea salt to it, but you got to have your potassium, the potassium RDA 90%. I think it's 90% of men are potassium deficient and 99% of women are potassium deficient. Yeah. Would you say the, the potassium, RDA in the kind of general population is accurate or do you have your own kind of more accurate amount? Of That's a great question. Um, I, you know, sometimes the RDAs are set for public health policy and a buddy of mine, Waco brought that uh, reminder to my brain. Uh, he's like, you know, the RDA of potassium is so high because some people have, you know, salt sensitive, uh, you know, hypertension. So they've increased the potassium RDA for the benefit of the few uh, who have salt-sensitive hypertension, you know, hypertension. So I was like, hmm, 
I didn't ask him. I, I think I asked him for the paper that shows that um, the evidence behind that. I always want to see evidence. Um, I never got that link from him. And even if he's full of shit, it was a, it was a good reminder that we have to be careful about the RDA, right? So four grams of potassium a day, that's a lot. Uh, there's some people like the CEO of Seeking Health. If he takes, uh, we had optimal potassium powder for a while. We're just continued it. Um, he took a, a scoop of that potassium, 500 milligrams of just potassium alone. He got all anxious and crazy from it. Not, not like crazy, but he felt on edge. Like it was too much. He drinks optimal electrolyte. It has about, got it right here. It's got, uh, 510 milligrams per, per scoop, but it also has your magnesium, your taurine, your ribose, some creatine, niacin, um, uh, and sodium in there to help balance it. So why was he so sensitive at 500 milligrams of potassium by itself compared to that? Probably genetics. So, you know, RDAs are a, a general recommendation and whether or not they're entirely accurate, I'd say, no, they're not entirely accurate. I think they're just or, you know, recommended daily allowances. So it would be something that maybe people, people gauge roughly based on their response to how much they take. hundred yeah. percent. I just did a, a Instagram uh, video this morning before I got on with you guys. I got a text from a, a kid who comes here uh, every day and lifts. And uh, he's like, what supplements do I take? I'm like, dude, I don't know. It depends. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, what are you going to wear on Thursday? Mm. Depends on the weather. It depends what you're going to do. Right. It, it depends. So a lot of us don't tune in enough. We don't take the time out to look inward. We're always focused on the outward stuff. So if we stop and pause and think like I did this morning, I came downstairs and I have this routine. I, I come downstairs, I wake up, I have some water. And then when I come downstairs after showering, brushing my teeth, I'm standing in the kitchen and I'm, you know, I'm looking outside enjoying the view and listening to the birds. And, but meanwhile, I'm evaluating myself. How's my head? How's my vision? How's my, how are my muscles? How's my hunger? How's my mood? What do I need right now? What do I feel like right now? Do I feel like eggs? Ooh, no. Do I feel like some oatmeal? Eh, no, I don't want that. You know, do I feel like eating at all? I'm not really that hungry, but I want to have sustained energy. My head's a little bit cloudy, so I might have some electrolytes with some carnitine. Carnitine will help me burn my fat. The electrolytes will hydrate me. I take those, boom, I'm on. This morning I came downstairs, tuned into myself. I'm hungry, and I knew I had an interview with you guys. I got to be on. And I say, well, if I'm a bit hungry and I don't eat now, I'm going to have this interview about an hour you know, from now. Uh, I'm going to be sliding. Uh, well, I'll be off. So I made myself a smoothie, put some, uh, you know, <laughs> use a prenatal uh, because of the, the nutrient uh, density of that prenatal is really good for me, for me and uh, frozen blueberries and goat milk, blended it up, drank it. And I was I'm solid. Um, I'm feeling a bit dehydrated coming on. So I'll have some electrolytes here in a bit, but what's missing from, from most of us is we, just think that every morning we come down, take a multivitamin and have, a, have our coffee and, and have whatever we have for breakfast and run out the door. That's our routine, that's what we do. Uh-uh. If you do that, you come downstairs 
your mood is good, your energy is fine, you have that coffee, now you got too much energy, now you're an irritable asshole, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you have some food that you've been eating you know, routinely, but you shouldn't have eaten it now because you didn't need it. Now you've gained some weight because you weren't even hungry and you should have been fasting. So we, you gotta get out of those routines and listen and tune in more. And I talk about that in Dirty Jeans a lot. Yeah. Do you guys do that? Do you guys tune into yourselves? Not as much as like as you just described, but it's definitely something I'm becoming more aware of. Like I used to be very locked into eating in a very, very specific way every day. Like kind of, you know, the same food, same time, stuff like that. Regimented. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and it works, obviously, the goal of you're trying to build muscle and do all that stuff. And then, but then, it, you know, from a, I've noticed like, more recently from the clarity perspective, like clarity of mind perspective, like if I pay more attention to what I actually want to eat based on what I'm doing that day, or what I, you know, in terms of how I'm just generally feeling, I tend to perform a bit better, but I'm not necessarily as on it as you just described. So yeah. something I'll, uh, I'll endeavor to try, to be honest, because that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Callum, I want you to share too. Before I do that, I want to get this thought out. Um, protein there's something called nitrogen balance what i want you guys to to read and and if you're listening or watching i want you to google nitrogen balance it's really important uh lifters are really into protein which is understandable muscles are protein um and uh you know i I see my kids they they lift and right when they're done they walk into the the fridge we have right in the other garage and they grab a, a 30 gram protein drink and they they down it and i'm looking at them like guys, you just had a six egg breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't lift weights and just chug a, a 30 gram protein drink. Well, why not? Because you just inserted a bunch of work on your genes. You already had a bunch of protein. You consumed a bunch of nitrogen. Nitrogen turns into ammonia. If you, ammonia is toxic. If, you, if you're drinking that and you start getting brain fog and fatigued and muscles tightness and soreness, that could be an imbalance of nitrogen. You, you have to have enough protein and you can't have too much. It's that sweet spot. It's that Goldilocks thing with everything. Mm-hmm. So if you are consuming heaps of protein and your carnitine levels are down, your B6 levels are down, your, your arginine levels are low, uh, your citrulline ornithine levels are low, your ammonia levels are going up and you're going to have brain fog, you're going to have muscle soreness, and you're going to be damaging yourself. So be careful with that. Yeah, like the protein debate is one I've, like, I speak a lot about. I'm very against excessive protein intake. Obviously, there's like a, an amount that seems to be required for gaining muscle, but it's even like people being like as regimented as you, you just described as, as, as soon as they finish training, they go and they've got to get their protein in, but they kind of forget that, you know, research is very clear on how, you know, resistance exercise alone enhances the the muscle protein synthetic response to protein ingestion for you know a good 24-hour period so that whole anabolic window is just complete bullshit and like when people say you just don't need to go and rust to to eat you know go and have that 30 gram protein you can wait and it's kind of what we get we do with ourselves with our clients we kind of say you know you're good to wait 45 minutes to an hour chill out a bit kind of get that nervous system back into an optimal balance you can actually process the meal a bit more effectively you don't need to worry about nailing an excessive amount of protein in, in that one sitting where you're, you're probably not in a good position to handle it anyway. 
Yeah. But, um, totally agree with that. Totally agree. Excellent. Yeah. One, one thing um, I, I've been wanting to ask you because I see little snippets of, you know, like the family life that you have on your social media, but how have you, one thing that really fascinates me because I, I eventually want to be a father one day and I want to have, I want to have kids. How do you, how have you brought that lifestyle and those considerations into your children's lives, but at the, at the right pace, if that makes sense? Cause I can imagine the amount that you know and the amount you know, their lifestyle habits and their nutrition and their diets will influence them long-term and you want them to grow up and be healthy adults and happy and, you know, live very positive, successful lives. How have you done that at the right pace? Because I can imagine you, you can enforce that a little bit too much, if that makes sense, because your oh. knowledge on it is so advanced, but it's obviously they're, they're kids as well at the same time. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rubber band. <laughs> it's a rubber band. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you got to pull it. You got to pull it. You got to be there. You got to be present to pull it and keep tension on those, on those kids and rein them in. If, and if you just let go, they're going to be, you know, let them go on their own. It's a problem. If you pull too tight, it's a problem. Mm. Um, so it's, 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 an, it's a, it's a constant movement and it, it depends on their, on their mood. Um, so I sense how they're feeling before I go in. Uh, I sense uh, what's going on and I, I see as an opportunity when I see it. If I see an opportunity, I go all in. If I don't see the opportunity, I just hold back. Mm. And uh, it's, been, it's been hard. Uh, it's been a big learning curve. The best thing that I can say for all parents and future parents out there, there's a great course called Love and Logic. So Google Love and Logic. And um, I don't know if it's in the UK or not, but you can do it online. You can get books and read about it. The premise is basically this. Uh, you love your kids. And... You, you need to teach them logic at the same time. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. What do they do? Mm. They touch the damn stove. Yeah. Why? Because they want, they, you know, it's human nature. We want to experience things. We want to try things. They burn themselves. Are they going to touch it again? No, they're not going to touch it again. So let me give you an example of, of, of some of the things that happened in, in life, in some short stories, which I do share a lot of stories in, in the book, Dirty Jeans, too, um, with my boys. Uh, Matthew, he was about two years old. Chronic sinus congestion, nose running, earaches, ear infections. Not infections, just horrible ear pain. Not all ear pain is ear infections, so I want to catch myself on that. And I, I noticed that when he eats cheese, he would have increased irritability, increased sinus uh, mucus and disgusting to look at because little kids always have the boogers hanging down, right? And then the ear pain. And I was always working on his ears. I was always doing things with, to try to get rid of his pain. And so one day, I, I was just done looking at his boogers. And I, I knelt down. I got on the floor. And I looked right at this like two or three-year-old kid right in the eyes. And I said, Matthew. I said, I'm looking right at his nasty boogers. It's just like, oh said, do you want those boogers to go away? And he nods his head like this and the boogers are bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, well, I think cheese and milk is making that those boogers happen. And he just looking at me and I said, why don't we try for just seven days or 14 days? We'll see seven to 14 days and see if you don't eat cheese, if that boogers will go away. And he's like, 
I like cheese. I said, do you like the boogers and the pain in your ears? He does this. I said, okay, well, you want to give it a shot? Yeah. Okay, so we blow his nose and away we go and we try it. We got rid of the cheese in the house. Week goes by, get down on my knees, look at Matthew. Matthew, breathe through your nose. Clear, right? Yeah, he's all excited. And uh, I said, that's because of the cheese, bud. You're not eating the cheese. Your nose is all good. How are your ears? And he's like, don't hurt. They don't hurt, daddy. I said, all right, good. So I said, that's from, from the cheese. The cheese made your nose bad and made your ears bad. Mm. And he was just kind of quiet. I said, so do you want some cheese? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> um. So... Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, you've got to let your kids, you have to teach the why, you have to give, uh, be confident in your recommendations that they will see and experience a result. Mm. And so when my kids got to the age of acne, brilliant moment, parents, brilliant, because the skin is a sign of eating like shit. And so uh, the kids come home, they get acne, and uh you know, and I, I start giving them some supplements, you know, liver support and, and probiotics and fish oil for the acne. Acne goes away. Like, wow, dad, that's amazing. Yeah, stuff works. So they go to Chick-fil-A, they go to fast food and their acne comes back. It's like, dad, can I take like three of those capsules? I said, no, you should stop eating the fast food. Mm. And they try taking the three of the capsules. Doesn't work. They get constipated. The acne is still there. You can't out, you can't eat like crap and just take a supplement and get your life out of it. So mm -hmm. what I did is I let them fail. I let them try their supplement thoughts because it was safe. I knew it was going to fail them. They still got the acne. So I remember it was, I think it was last year, um, you know, Matthew, our middle boy was eating really well. I'm like, dude, I'm impressed with your eating. What's going on? It's taking supplements every day without being told. Oh, we got homecoming next week. You want it? It's going to be good. So, you know, it, it works. And you, you have to let your kids fail. And I, when we were on vacation in Hawaii, I think it was two years ago, uh, I, I just let the kids order whatever they wanted. I, I removed the, the overbearing dad. They had, they had soda. They had juice. They had pancakes for breakfast. You know, usually with eggs, because they knew that if they're going to have pancakes, they needed some protein, so they didn't crash. Yeah. They learned that quickly. But they, they ate a lot, and they ate a lot of crap. And it was a two-week vacation, so it was a lot of crap. And we ate out almost every day. The last meal, we were sitting down. Matthew just kind of sitting there, and he just kind of looks at me and goes, Dad, because I regret how I ate these last two weeks. And I was like... Hell yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's good to have your kids fail in front of you so you can support them after. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, the overbearing parent is, is, is what we think is the right thing to do. But the love and, love and logic is so brilliant because I've seen it work over and over and over and over again, where you, it sucks as a parent to see your kids fail but it's amazing when they fail under your roof and you're able to help them get out of it and support them. And it's way better for them to fail under your roof than it is when they're 30 or 40 
and their body can't recover as well. Yeah. And they go down that, you know, cycle of eating like shit. Now they have actually serious health issues and uh, you're not there to help them because they live in a different state or different part of the world. Mm. So let them fail. It's okay. Just know how to pick them up. And again, dirty jeans, I, I go through story after story in the book of, of you know, real scenarios of, of what happened and yeah. how we did it. I love that. I love that. That was awesome. And then you could use, uh, I suppose with Matthew, you can now use cheese as a punishment tool. That's <laughs> like, yeah. that's your yeah. dinner, mate. <laughs> Enjoy yeah, that. Matthew, yeah, he's, he's six foot four now. He's 15 years old, six four. That's uh, you know, almost 180 pounds. He's gained almost 40 pounds since last, uh, well, this last winter. That's impressive. So, yeah, he's out there lifting. He's, he's, I mean, when I was 15, I was nowhere near his size mm -hmm. um, in terms of bulk and tone and strength. Um, and uh, it's cool seeing his technique. Lifting is, is you know, it's quite good. Um, so, um, but, you know, is he eating dairy? Yeah, using dairy and is he have his science congestion now? Yes. So, you know, he, he's because his protein drinks are dairy. He doesn't have the non-dairy ones, but he knows what supplements he can take to minimize the side effects. So, you know, and it's not that bad. It's not like he has mucus coming out of his nose and his ears are painful. So, but here's another thing. This just happened actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he went on a, a few day trip with some buddies of uh, his and they took the jet ski out to another lake here in, in Washington, Lake Schlan, And uh, they had a hell of a time. And this kid's dad was, uh, he's basically a cook, a chef. And he, the kids were eating all the time. And uh, Matthew just chowed on the pancakes every morning, just huge amounts of pancakes, wheat. You know, I let the kids eat some wheat here. Um, I don't mean let, but they do. Um, but they, they somewhat minimize it. They don't go to town. Matthew came back and uh, acne, not too terrible, but present. And uh, he's like, dad, I got this weird thing in my eye. I was like, what's up? And he's like, it's, I don't know. It's like burning. I said, does this feel like an ulcer or a bump? He goes, yeah, it's, it's like a little bump and I can't see it. It's clear and it hurts. I mean, it's always hurting. It's like acidic tears. And I was thinking for a moment, I said, first question was well, how much wheat did you eat he goes oh that's probably it and i said why do you think that and he goes i had so many pancakes and so much wheat on this trip and i said all right well that when that ulcer like feeling is in your eye or your mouth or your hands that could be gluten and he's like what the hell how and i said it's because your immune system is reacting you got leaky guts and and, and it's inflammatory you got it you got to cut it and here's some supplements to take it, you know, to, to heal your gut. So I gave him some stuff for his gut and um, to, to heal it. And I gave him some fish oil and some anti, you know, some, uh, not anti-inflammatory, some, some um, uh, I think I gave him some vitamin C and some glutathione too. And uh, what was funny is I'm not shitting you. It's like 20 minutes later, a pizza was delivered and he was going to sit down and eat it. And I looked at him, I was like, do you think that's the best choice right now? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, stupid. Yeah, thank you. No. And so he ate something else. So, and then uh, it was three days and uh, his eye was completely normal. And we're going to do an Instagram. I'm going to interview him on Instagram uh, here soon. He's a little hesitant about doing it. 
But I said, dude, you got to share this story. You yeah. got to tell people. So, so it, yeah. it, it's, it's that like building, it's like, it's not forcing it, but it's building the awareness. So the next time they run into that, they're like, that's that little light bulb, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's uh, God, my nose got itchy. Um, it's uh, when, when we are able to understand the cause and effect and then the, of the diets, and then we input change and we see results that Tony Robbins is a brilliant uh, diagram uh, on this. And I, I always lose a video, um, uh, the name of it, but Tony Robbins has this cycle where belief triggers action and then the action has a result, which then reinforces the belief, which then triggers the action, which then triggers the result. And it can be positive or it can be negative. Mm-hmm. So if you believe something to take enough action and you do it and you see result, that's good. If you believe something and you take action, but it's the wrong action, you don't get result, what's going to happen? You don't believe that you're going to be able to do it. So you don't take action next time. So then it's dead. Mm-hmm. So it's this vicious flywheel. It can go forward or it can go down. And so the, the belief is first, but then the action that you take has to be appropriate. And, and so, you know, if, if, my response to Matthew was like, um, you know, uh, did you get bit by a, a mosquito or, you know, and put this on your eye, you know, the cause and effect wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have learned from it. So we're going to make mistakes. I'm not going to know everything with him, but I, I know his weaknesses and, and as parents, we have to dial in the strengths and weaknesses of all of our own kids and ourselves and, and be able to, to put all that together and sift. I'm really analytical, so it's a strength of mine. Um, so I'm able to, to be pretty, pretty good with dialing in with issues with my kids. You know, Tasman, my oldest, is 17. It's like, Dad, I have a headache. How's your water intake today? Oh, that's probably it. Mm-hmm. I had a glass of electrolytes. He texts me. Thanks, Dad. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. I could literally talk to you all day, but I just don't want to take up. I don't want to take up your entire morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to run too. I got a. I got a pack. We're gonna go sailing as a as a fam here soon. And nice. um, yeah, right. friend's got a catamaran. And we're gonna head up to the San Juans. So excited about that. Whereabouts are you based? Uh, Seattle. So oh, yeah, so, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so top of the northwest here, and then uh, we're gonna drive a, an hour and a half to a, a town called Anacortes. And that's the gateway to the San Juan Islands. And it's, it's one of the top uh, cruising sailboat places in the world. Um, it's, it's amazing. Um, beautiful spot. Wow. I'll see the pictures on Instagram, I'm sure. Yeah. Just make, yeah, sure, you, just make sure you don't have more than six in your boat, though. Just, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, we were out there uh, trying a new boat, a wake surf boat. And, and uh, I think we had like 10 of us in the boat. And... Uh, the cop, uh, boat police pulled us over. We're like, oh crap. And uh, so he said nothing about the quantity of people. He thought the guy wake surfing was not wearing a life jacket because he was wearing a competition uh, life right. vest. Yeah. And he was like, well, that life jacket isn't enough because you got to wear a, the legit one. And we're like, all right, thank you. And, and so we, we swapped it out, but he pulled us over for that and uh, said nothing about the, the number of people. And we got pulled over again uh, by the same guys, the same guys all the time. And uh, he didn't, didn't say anything about the number of people. Again, right. he just 
busted us on something else but he never gave us the ticket so uh, he, he goes like oh you're that doctor aren't you really <laughs> yeah and i uh, was like i don't know how to take that you know, that's a good good thing or not um yeah so but yeah he hasn't given us the ticket so where can um where pe- where can people find you Ben in terms of social media website? I know that you've got Dr Ben. Is it still called drbenlynch.com? Uh, it is, yeah. And um, so what we're going to be doing, and uh, possibly with with your guys's uh, interview here, is we're going to be uh, posting blog posts of the interviews I've had. Okay. Awesome. Uh, versus just listing it. So we're going to keep uh, fresher content there. So we're going to have the interviews transcribed. Uh, little snippets. So after we're done here, I'm going to write a little paragraph summary um, of what we basically discussed and how it went. And that will go on the blog and then uh, maybe have some quote cards that will be pulled from my team and uh, turned in there. So yeah, drbenlynch.com. And then social media, you can click the social media icons from that website, but at drbenlynch on Instagram or drbenlynch on Facebook. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm pretty active on both of those. Uh, Facebook now owns Instagram. So you know, typically what I post on Instagram will be on Facebook, but sometimes I'll do Facebook lives and, um, you know, you won't see those on Instagram. So I do recommend following both. Um, cause sometimes those Facebook lives are, are very, very informative. And, uh, I feel guilty that I didn't put them on Instagram too. So, yeah. and then grab the book dirty jeans. That is a yeah. very, very solid place to start. Yeah. It's, it does have the word jeans in it. Uh, but, and you think it's going to be overwhelming, but it's, it's actually not, there's a lot of science in there, but it's a lot of actionable stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point in itself in regards to like, I, I did a poll the other day in, in preparation for this podcast and asked people in terms of looking at genes and epigenetics, is it relatable to the general population or is it relatable to the elite, like elite athlete scenario where it's just the top end? And it was like 70 or 80% was, it was elite athletes and not general pop, but we've got to appreciate this is, this is everyone and this can, this can benefit everyone. Mm. And you know, it takes a massive precipice over the whole population. It does. And I, I remember when I, I was at a conference and, and uh, you know, at about 400 health professionals and sitting in front of me and uh, I asked them, how many of you guys are supporting methylation of your patients? A few hands went up. And I said, how many of you are using uh, vitamin B12 in your practice? How many of you are recommending salad in your practice to your patients? How many of you are checking homocysteine? Most hands went up on all of them. I said, all of you are doing methylation support. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have these big scientific words, but at the end of the day, you know, that, that inhibits us from, thinking that we're actually making a difference, but the fundamentals are key. Mm. You know, the fundamentals are absolutely key. So, I mean, you can learn all sorts of interesting new, you know, techniques for, you know, maybe working on your deltoid or, or your trap or your rhomboids or what have you. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's bench squat, uh, curls, uh, pull-ups, you know, core, right? I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's the fundamentals are probably the most important for your, for your body, I would imagine. Mm. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank, you, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. real pleasure. Thank you for coming on, sir. I yeah. will, um, I'll link all your socials and the book as well in the bio so people can just swipe up and click that and go straight through. 
Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. When you guys post on Instagram, just tag me at DR Ben Lynch. For some reason, my stories are, uh, ever since I got flagged on Instagram for that one post, um, my, my stories are not, uh, you know, used, I used to have like a little thing that said, you know, you're, you've been tagged multiple times yeah. and I could reshare, but now it doesn't really show that anymore. Right. So they did something. I don't know if it's to everyone or, or me. Um, they definitely penalize me. Um, cause I see my reach is a bit down. Yeah. Um, but, uh, whatever. <laughs> Keep speaking the truth. That's right. I, I won't stop. I won't stop. So, yeah. Yeah. Have an awesome, uh, awesome trip with the family. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, well, stay cool and keep hydrated and, and uh, yeah, keep doing what you guys are doing. Thanks, Thanks Ben. Take care. See you later. Bye.